The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Why is it that some people are so compelling when other people are so repelling? To answer that question, we have media expert Jess Toddfield. Jess, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me, Joel. And boy, that is a compelling question. Well, I'll tell you, I have a thought on this, which is we are too close to our own situation. We don't have the ability, usually I'm going to give you an answer for this, how to get out of our own body. So when we're in our own body, we don't see what everyone else is seeing. You've been to dinner, Joel, with somebody who either talks too much or they love their own stories that they've told you nine times in a row or you name it. And sometimes we work with those people. They haven't seen themselves outside of their body. So this is a technique I use with clients either when I do executive presentation training or on the media side of the stuff that I do. I videotape them. And guess what? They take a look at themselves and they say, oh, I actually, actually had a CEO who said, so I'm boring myself. And, and I had laughed and made it easy on me instead of saying, by the way, you're boring. So the fix, by the way, for everyone else is we're walking around with a video recording device and TV studio in our pocket, our phones, and you can record yourself. You can practice whether it's a piece of a speech or an interview or you name it. But if you don't do that, you're probably committing business malpractice. Well, listen, it's one thing to take a camera and, and, and record yourself and see that you're boring. It's another yes. thing to know how to fix the problem. Whether it's being boring, whether it's being obnoxious, whether it's being you know overbearing, whatever the problem is. That's why we're here today. What's that? That's why I'm here today and why we're doing this, to help people to fix. Obviously, that's what I do for a living. Again, people are too close to it. So let's give some strategies. Let's get specific. Okay. Let's just create a little framework. So we're mostly talking about business people. Uh, in their business environment, although I imagine this probably spills over to some personal stuff too. Yes. And core folks who I work with are C-suite top executives. So what kind of speaking situations are they in? They could be talking to colleagues in a meeting. What do you need them to do? You need them to act on what you say. They may go to a conference and have to speak. 
And the bar that people set for themselves usually is, uh, I just don't want to look stupid. And I always say, we can do better than that. And what we want to create, what's the outcome? What do we want to make happen? What we want to make happen is we want the audience to do something. Sign up with your organization, work with your salespeople, just take some next steps, set up a phone call. And there's this big missing piece in there. So those are the people, that's what they need. And there's this big middle space of it not happening. So should we give well, a so, so when you, you know, so like, what'd you tell the guy who you thought was boring? What did you, what did you tell him to do? So I said, what do you think is more important? And this is my only trick question for clients and for your audience today. What do you think is more important, style or substance when it comes to presentations and being in front of people? Well, for a second, I always think that I always think that content is critical, but but you know, presentation uh, is also very important. And I did say, and the audience right now is is broken fifty fifty. They're like, is it style? Is it substance? I did say it's a trick question. They're both important. You can't have one without the other. If you're all style and you're running around on stage and jumping up on chairs, that's entertaining, but no substance. Who cares? And if you're all substance, no style, you might as well be the college professor standing way back behind that lectern, lectern, boring everybody. But of course, the college professor has the one thing the rest of us don't have, which is they can fail you. You can't do that to other people. Yeah, so well, listen, they, they can, you know, listen, in a, in a, even, well, it's true in a business, listen, in a business environment, it's not that different because they can, they kind of force you to tolerate their uh, boringness because it's your job to sit there and, and tolerate it. In a class, yeah. students are forced to sit there because that's kind of their job at that moment is to sit through the class. And so. if it's your boss, then you just you nod and, yeah, yeah, that was good. But if you're at a conference and you're delivering a, a speech or to, people that you're trying to make a sale on or just want them to do something and they start looking at the ceiling or their phones. That's even uh, worse if they're just scrolling endlessly, not looking at a message, then you've lost them. They're not paying attention. They're not so going to so let me, uh, let me, let me ask how this kind of works. Uh, a subordinate would probably not say to the boss, uh, you know, uh, gee, you're boring is terrible. You're just terribly boring. And I'm right. out of my wits here and I can't tolerate another minute. Right. Right. Uh, that probably isn't going to happen. But the, uh, the boring guy's boss could call him in and say, listen, we need to work on something to help you get to the next level. Cause you're not going to the next level if you don't improve your communication skills. And that's what we're really talking about is communication skills, I guess. Right. Yes. That's the bucket. I, here. I call it magnetic communication and it's exactly right. And you can't just, be good enough. I, and Joel, I'm going to tell you, there's even one problem worse than being boring. You want to hear what that is? I would like to hear what that is. One layer worse, which is, you're not boring. You're not amazing. You're not terrible. No one's going to fire you. You know, you go through the meetings and you get some okay results. And it's just kind of on a scale of one to 10, you're a six. You know, ironically, that is sort of worse because the boring guy, they talk about the boring guy and they go, oh my God, the guy was so terribly boring. They're talking about him. The mediocre guy is so unmemorable that yes. nobody ever says a word about that person. And that, that maybe that is kind of worse. At least, at least the boring guy, they remember something about him that he was boring. Right. Nobody ever gave you feedback. You don't know if it's you because you're in your own body and Things, you know, ho-hum, you don't lose your job. But 
people need to examine this and really ask the question of, what do I want to create more of? And what's stopping me? And of course, I say it's because of the communication styles and they're not being magnetic enough. Yeah. So what are some things people can do to improve their, uh, their situation? They tell you, they video themselves, they notice something that they do that they don't like. How do they get rid of those situations? So one of, the, one of the big topics and techniques I talk about is open with fire. And this is taken from a phrase from David Ogilvie, big advertising guru. And he used to say, if you're selling fire extinguishers, open with fire. And what do most people do when they get in front of people? And again, I'm not just talking about like, oh, you're giving some big speech at a conference once a year, even with your colleagues and you're, you know, in the boardroom and you're just trying to get them to do what they need to do and they're just tuning out. Are you opening with fire or are you doing what pretty much everybody does, which is taught from Dale Carnegie and they have some great stuff. Their stuff has been around about 100 years, but here's what they teach. Tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them again and then tell them what you told them. Well, in the 2000s, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for anything. <laughs> don't tell me something three times. Tell me in a way I'm going to remember and let's be done with it and let's make this meeting, you know, two, you know, two tenths of what it was. Right, so, because we got we to gotta rush back to our desk to look at Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the truth. Or I'm texting somebody who's uh, not in the meeting, who's just in my personal life. And just tell me, put it down. You know what? Half the meetings would be better if people just wrote out an agenda and maybe you wouldn't even need the meeting. Uh, but back to open with fire here. I always say, actually, at companies, I always say my secret uh, agenda and wish is to totally change uh, meetings and how people communicate. So secret, I say it every time. All right, so back to open with fire, which is how are you opening? Open with something that grabs people. Ideally, today, go back to the beginning of this podcast. We open with something big that was compelling. Certainly, if you're still listening to this, it is. Um, but we open with a problem or a question. And that's what you need to do with other people. You need to get right to it. I don't need the whole, you don't need to list for me the whole agenda. Either just give me the agenda or just jump into it. Give me one sentence. But open with fire and jump in big. You know, I was just listening to a, a, a guy do a webinar and the first 10 minutes, there, were, there was no content. The next 10 minutes, he just started getting into his content. And the only reason I was watching is because I was giving him a little feedback and I was going to wait till after. But I couldn't even, I couldn't even last 30 minutes. I, I had to get off the thing. It was, it was really terrible. And, and, and really, the guy didn't do a bad job, but it was just it, the presentation was just so terrible. And, yes. and that, that really kind of speaks to your deal. I love to answer this. with a question, you know, just like what you said. Open with a question, open with a problem, open with a short story that really illustrates something that happened. Uh, open with something that's a little bit of a surprise. And by the way, what you experience on the webinar is pretty common, obviously, in person, but as we see more webinars, um, we're seeing a lot more of it. Actually, um, uh, we didn't bring up some clients, but I've done this kind of work for the United Nations, and AARP actually did a big thing that they brought me in for, and they said, we don't know what we're doing wrong, but we know that we're boring people. So one of the things I did in the training was I forced them to listen to 15 minutes of the 90-minute webinar, and they wanted to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, why are you guys getting all shifty, and why are you looking at the ceiling? This is, a, this is you talking. You think you would like you better than anyone. And they said, 
we get what you're trying to do, but I want to poke my eyes out with, you know, I'm not going to look at it or listen to my ears. I can't take it. And that was them. So, and again, we don't turn, whether it's a camera or listening it, we don't turn it back on ourselves. We need to know that there's a problem. You know, I always think that that's, that's a great uh, example and that, that, you know, kind of putting them in their own prison was kind of a nice idea, but you know, I, I call it, uh, I've got this James Bond opening and yes. you, know, you ever been to a James Bond movie? You know, you yes. James Bond. You know, does it open with him saying, "Hello, my name is James, and I'm a spy, and I live in England." And no, ladies like me, and I'm really friendly. <laughs> no, that's not what I, the guy jumps out of a helicopter, skis down a mountain, bombs are going off, crap's happening right and left, all this weird stuff's happening, and then at the end, Bond, James Bond, right? So you know, after he's done all this, and you're like completely out of breath as somebody sitting in the audience, and that's how you have to open your speech. Is you have to. Whatever you're doing, whether it's a speech or otherwise, you got to come out with your best stuff in the first two minutes or the people are going to start leaving. So absolutely. And even with a one-to-one, you're doing a, a sales meeting or just a business meeting, same exact thing. Everybody who's listening, think about your James Bond opening. That is, it's perfect, Joel. Um, that's exactly how it opens. You know, it's funny, a few years ago, so I mean, one of the ways I show up in front of people is... Um, training, but also at conferences speaking. And I realized that some people, the big, big deal speakers have these opening videos, intro videos. And I realized, why am I the guy who says open with fire? And I don't have, why am I letting them say the intro when it can be a James Bond intro? So now I have a one minute video. They say a little something about me and they say, take a look at this. And you see, I've been on TV. Actually, I have a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times. And you see me uh, as a, a reporter briefly and doing some fun stuff and on stages and all that. And then w- then theme music comes up. I get to give myself theme music. It's just embedded in the PowerPoint, <laughs> right? And, um, and use royalty free, by the way, because you can get in yeah, trouble. You have, you have a really good theme song, by the way? Well, actually, there was a little period of time where I, I used bl- Back in Black and uh, a mutual friend of ours said, uh, you know, it's not always covered. Sometimes a conference has rights and that you can play stuff. Um, but I chose something, I don't even know what it's called, off of like a, um, a royalty-free type site where, you, where it had thousands of choices and it's kind of like a rock anthem and I, you know, run out and sometimes I'm throwing my arms up in the air and then they're doing it and stuff. That's open with a fire. Uh, and, you, you know, right now some people are thinking, wait, if I'm just having a meeting with my colleagues or my bosses and I just want to make something happen, do I need theme music? No, although it's more fun. But no, you know, <laughs> you don't need it. Well, so what is, what is an example of open with fire? Let's say you're, uh, let's say there's three different levels. You know, one is an internal meeting. One is a sales meeting with an outside company. And one is, uh, you know, a bigger meeting where you're making a presentation to a, to a group of people. So give us an example of open with fire for each of those three things. Like, like what would be a good way to open a meeting internally? You're sitting with uh, your boss, a subordinate, you're, you're kind of the middle person and you're going to kind of run the show here today. What, what's a reasonable way of, of starting that kind of meeting? Uh, I always say we got to look, we got to create an eyebrow moment, meaning their eyebrows pop up. So if you walked into a meeting, you said, there's a big problem. People don't know what we do. And be like, what? What do you mean they don't know? And then you'd launch into, if, that, if the point you were making was we yeah, have yeah, to yeah. Uh, you know, tighten the loop or explain better. Um, but opening with the problem in such a way of, 
you know, this is totally uh, unexpected, you know, to come out there. But to hit them with a problem, hit them with something that makes their eyebrows, uh, let them know about a fact you uncovered that they had not known. That probably is in the problem category because people act. On we'll, that we'll get to, we'll get to the other two. Huh. Why, do you, why yes. do you think? Why do you think people always open like this? Hello, my name is Joel, and I'm really friendly, and I'm nice, and I've. I've got these degrees and I've had these different jobs. Why do people feel this incredible need to do that? You know, I mean, like I just say to those people, listen, if I invited you here, that by itself is all the credential people need about you. I, I invited, like if, I, if I'm hosting something and I invite somebody to come speak at one of my programs, uh, you know, I don't, listen, I tell people, do not bother, do not waste three of your 15 minutes telling us uh, how great you are. I just told them you're great. That's enough. Yes. Go. Well, I'll tell you, I know exactly why we do that. Why? Which is, we as human beings always look for the template. When you first got out of college and someone said, no, now you need a resume. You said, great, show me a template and I'll put myself into that template. And it's the same with a speech or a presentation that you should open a certain way or act a certain way or, you know, I'm going to act very formal in this meeting. It's not formal or Informal is good or bad. It's effective or not. But that's it. That's exactly. And one of the things I was going to bring up today is don't fit in. And what I mean by don't fit in is not that, you know, you show up to work with no shirt on or something like that. Um, <clears throat> what you want to do is you want to stand out, which is a version of open with fire. But you want to stand out. Obviously, you figure out the parameters of you're not standing out so much they want to fire you because you're just too weird. But how do you stand out? And it's not, it doesn't have to be every last thing that you say in this presentation. But to your point of what you just said, where they show up and they got to go back through their bio, first of all, yes, you got the meeting. Second of all, you have additional information, send it first. Or here's something I even do with, with my, when I bring up my bio to people. I'll give a few sentences or a few companies and I jump right into a story of the moment when I realize what I'm doing would help people like them. And then they say, yeah, yeah, I want that. Or holy cow, it's, you know, this is a guy who's essentially saying a phrase I sometimes use and that sets me up to do my best work for somebody like you. Like, yeah, yeah. So um, we look for the template. We just do. So and it people, doesn't, people just do what other people do, and because other people do it, they do it too, and that's just how it is. And I mean, as people get older, uh, you know, or maybe some younger or more creative people, whatever they are, they kind of find a way to kind of do it outside the template or create their own template. Because as time goes on, they realize it's not really serving them as well, that they, they're just like everybody else. And so as far as, say, sales presentations or pitch presentations, um, one thing that I do, and I work with people who have those, or they're doing a road show or something like that, is I always say, let's flip over the beginning. They were going to open with, and I usually videotape them doing this, the whole thing you just said, hi, this is my name. These are 19 companies that we've, I've worked for and all these things and credentials. Everybody tunes out. Why? Because we don't really care about you right now until we care about the thing that connects to us. So flip it over. Tell me that second thing you're going to say, about why this was so important and why this is going to change my life. Now I want to know, just like you said, the doctor, like what credentials did he have? Now I want to know, second, okay, so what did you do that gives you the credibility for that? Oh, you did this and this. Great. Okay, keep talking. So yeah. we got to make that flip.
You know, it's funny, like in uh, in a networking environment, a lot of times people will say, hello, my name is Joel and this is my job. Yes. And you didn't hear the name, but then after you hear the job, you go, well, that was, I like that guy. I'd like to know his name. And so I always tell people, say your name at the end. It doesn't matter because no one's listening at the beginning. They're not listening until they become interested. Then they listen. And yes. that's sort of how it is. Uh, that's that. Is that is that a reasonable approach? I mean, that's kind of what I notice about people. So yes, and that's a version of the flip. And I'll take it even one step further, which is uh, it has to do with brain science. So for some people who are tuning in, maybe they've heard about this whole thing about the reptilian brain, the yep. oldest part of the brain. And when we're doing giving a pitch or even conveying any information. We're sending it from the neocortex, the reasoning part of the brain, to their neocortex, trying to be real reasonable here. But that's not where the gatekeeper is. The gatekeeper is that oldest, deepest part of the brain. They sometimes now call it the you know, reptilian brain. And it's saying to itself, is this important for my survival or even my business survival? And if it isn't, that's why we got to move that part up. Knowing Jess Todd Feld, and he works, he's in New York, and he's been working with people for 15 years. He's worked, at the, he worked with these 19 different companies. Not important for my business survival if I'm on the receiving end of that. But if it's, you can close more business in half the time by changing three things in your presentation, they'd be like, that I have to pay attention to. And here's how I'm qualifying. Here's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be compelling opening. In 30 days or less. <laughs> something like yeah, that yeah right as seen on tv <laughs> yes by now and you'll get a free shamwow yeah so what's open by fire let's say in a uh, in an external meeting let's, let's give, give us an example of, of open by fire so um even coming out and doing a quick poll and saying uh and actually i'll make it one layer even better which is um, before speaking to people at that type of a sales meeting or something like that, you want to chat with as many people as you can before you go up there. Most people are worrying about themselves and tinkering around with their PowerPoint and all that. Talk to people, ask questions. You're going to be able to refer back to this. Imagine if you open up by saying, you know, as I was making my way around the room today, I talked to Tom over there who's been working with the company for 12 years. And he said, you know, a lot of people would be surprised. One thing we don't do is this. It's like, holy cow, how did you get that intel? I, I talked to Tom for, for two minutes. And I talked to this person. I talked to that person. Can you open with something specific and then continue? Maybe even make it another way is add. Uh, I said, you can use questions. You can turn that into a discussion. So you can say, have any of you else ex experienced that? Or you can say, what are your three biggest pains, everybody? Imagine you just open with that. What are your three biggest pains? Now they're now, customizing would, your speech. That would work in a sales meeting and yes. in a probably a smaller uh, conference too. I mean, so that, that kind of oh, works yeah. in both environments. Yeah, and, and the, the more people can customize themselves and take ownership over the material you're about to give them, now you got them. Now they're paying attention. It's a, really a mistake to do a monologue. Well, listen, the second that people start to participate, they, they start leaning forward. They're yes. totally into it. They put their phones away. They want to hear what you have to say because now you're listening to them. They're listening to you. The colleagues are speaking. It, 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 that's fascinating. That's a cool idea. It becomes a hands-on experience where they're uh, figuring out any type. You know, this is where just asking them questions. That's one way to do it. You can have them where they're filling something out and they're at and they're 
finding out their own pain points or figuring out what their situation is. Maybe there's a takeaway where they now realize, boy, they either need you or need to take a next step. Uh, but that's an, a, a very compelling way to open and sprinkle that stuff throughout when you're talking with people. I always say it's really a conversation. It's not a monologue. You know, it's funny listening to this because what I'm thinking, I, I always think that inside of each one of us, there's a little kindergartner. Yes. Every, every one of us has a little kindergartner inside of us. And that little kindergartner likes to build things. It likes to make things. It likes to draw things. I mean, it, all these basic things that we did when we were little. And, yeah. You know, we don't do a lot of those things anymore. So if you kind of tap into a little bit of that, that's a really, you know, uh, that kind of takes people back to a fun place in their, in their life that, uh, that makes them want to participate. So that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. And it's funny, even when <clears throat> there's even a tiny bit of pushback, uh, it's still worth doing and people like it. And I had a speaker friend, I said, oh, I do these interactive exercises or I ask these questions. And this other speaker friend said, oh, I, I hate when people do that. But she was thinking about when she's in the audience and somebody says, you know, let's say I don't have them color, but let's say, you know, take this out and you're going to be coloring this or you're going to be adding to it. It's kind of, there's that moment of, oh, what do I have to do? What is this? Now I have to put my phone down and totally pay attention to you and be engaged in what you're saying and customize it for me. Oh, wait, I love it now. That's the, the arc of how that goes. But there is that little moment of, oh, you mean I can't just sit here and sip coffee? A actually, that's how I open my um, trainings when I go to the companies. I say, no, you're sitting there with your coffee. Guess what? You got to get up the second you came in the room. Everyone's going to do one minute. And they're like, oh, my gosh. But they're in it. And then they, when it's done, they're like, I'm really happy I did that because I got any of my worry stuff out of the way. And now I know where the bar is. And we're going to, you know, hit the ground running. You know, it's a funny thing that uh, it, it's sort of an art form to get people into this sort of thing. And, and I imagine that uh, there's an awful lot of techniques that you could share, uh, you know, not, not time for you to do that all now, but uh, I'm sure there's a lot of techniques that, that get people to kind of comply and get into some. And once they kind of get into it, then they get a lot into it. And then the funny thing is, and then their neighbor sitting next to them sees them getting into it, and so then they start getting into it. There's a momentum effect. Uh, and you mean getting into the content or getting into the idea of, you know, practicing? Matter. Either one, either into the content or the drawing or the exercise or the little practice, whatever you're doing with them. Yeah, we're, we're um, the type of people, what do they call it? We run in packs. You know, we don't want to be left out. We won't want to necessarily, just by nature, just be that one person who's the one not doing it. There is always that one person says, I definitely want to be, but you're right. Then you see everyone else. It's the same if, if, when I'm at a big conference, people say, you know, are you worried that they're going to be a few thousand instead of a few hundred people? No, that's even better because if I make some little jokes, it, it resonates and people, you know, you get an even bigger laughter and, um, you know, more hands going up. Uh, and, and by the way, there's always going to be I just say this, whether it's a meeting of a handful of people or, you know, a thousand people, there's always going to be some person who just for whatever reason does not like you, doesn't dig your stuff, can't for whatever the reason is, they maybe they just don't like your face. It, and you know what? Let go of those people. I mean, internally, we have to learn how to work with people. That's a different technique. But um, we got to let go of that and play to those people. Maybe it breaks, ideally, you know, if it breaks down to an 80-20, you got at least 80, hopefully 90%, if not more, of the room that's loving what you're saying. Don't worry about that one person who's sitting there with an angry face and they've been texting, which actually one of those angry people once came up to me 
I was thinking, okay, here we go. Let's see what this is. And the guy said with this very angry face, I really loved this session and it was the most important one. I tweeted the whole thing. All right. <laughs> All right. Tell it to your face. I didn't know. Seriously, I kept staring at him. And, and maybe they can get training on that. Some people just look angry, don't they? They, they just. So let me ask you one last cl- a closing question. Let me ask you yes. one last so, um, so let's say, so we talked about the, um, the fire for, uh, you know, for internal, for, for a sales meeting, which kind of morphed into like a, a larger setting. Yeah. On the topic of a larger setting and on the topic of, uh, you know, kind of some of those angry people in the audience, have you ever had a heckler that you've had to deal with? Um, yes, because Joel, you just gets discovering something about me right at the end here. Uh, about 20 years ago, I did stand-up comedy for about three years. Uh, I did it on the side. I didn't quit my day job. And one of my signature stories that I even tell now is about how this guy um, stood up. He was really dressed shabbily and, and had wrinkle lines with, lines with dirt in the lines and this green woolen hat. And I, and I talk about how he wasn't just holding his Heineken next to him. It was a little bit further back up over his head behind. And he was yelling at me, yelling, shoot a rance, which they did. How do you come back to that? But the average person, <laughs> and, and I said something and he sat down and, and I lost the confidence of the people. And I talk about how he learned from that. The average person's not going to be huckled. They're going to have what I think also is one step worse. What's worse than being heckled? That people mentally tune you out where they look at their phone and you didn't create anything, any action and everybody's time, including yours, was wasted. Don't do that, people. Speaking on that is uh, when my daughter was interviewing for jobs, you know, and she would go to uh, a company and they have like a group interview and there were like 20 people sitting in the room, 20 young people sitting in the room. And oh. I, I said, listen, I said, when the person is done speaking, you immediately raise your hand with a question because the worst thing that can happen to a speaker, especially somebody who's not really that great at it. The, these people weren't that great at it. You know, they, it's just part of their recruitment process, but that's not their job to speak. You know, the worst thing that could happen is for somebody, okay, any questions? No questions. It's so embarrassing. So just pop your hand up. The guy's going to love you immediately and probably just shower you with all kinds of great stuff because you, you saved the day. That gives me an idea to share a perfect technique where I get to also end with fire today. By the way, if you open with fire, you'd probably be awesome if you end All right, with let's fire. close with fire. Let's do it. Yes, which is, so you just talked about how that worked with your, with your daughter. And this works really well in pitch meetings. It, it actually works in job interviews too. And what you're doing is you're flipping, thinking of some pitch meetings, it's like a job interview, right? You're trying to show what you have is so great and please buy my thing. You're going to flip it over. You're going to start grilling them with questions. You want to think of a lot of questions. And what happens is now they're interviewing for your business. You say, how does this thing work? And I'm telling you, this works. I, I did it with a, a CEO of a, a hedge fund. And um, he, he loved it. I kind of told him about it later when we were working together. And he had a big laugh. And he's like, show my people. Let, get them to do that. Um, but in our original meeting, I said, explain to me this new company that you're launching. Like, how does this work? Or what, why are you, or are you people even doing this? And he's like, this is what I need them to do. This one. So flip it on people. You ask everybody lots of questions. So you make them audition for your, 
for what you're selling or what you're yeah. trying. To. We're always selling something, even ideas. That's a, it's a form of a takeaway. You know, it's 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 a funny thing. You know, where you revert, turn the tables, and but it's not. You you, you got to go and prepare it. It can't be snarky. It can't be disrespectful. You have to be genuinely interested in the question that you're asking, and they have to get a genuine sense. Well, listen, Jess, thank you very much for uh, for participating, for sharing, for uh, telling us what you know. You're you're a media expert. You've you hold that world record. I mean, you, you've done so many incredible, cool things. So thank you very much. Your contact info is, uh, is on the site. It's part of the show notes and everything. So, um, yeah, listen, glad to have you. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Listen, we'll be in touch. You've been listening to profit from the inside with Joe block strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.